I'm Haley from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who fandom podcast and part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 210 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we create a room just to keep Steven from being heard. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we discuss a new well-created report on news podcasts. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we hear how one listener is handling the holidays with their podcast. Lauren, start the show now. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to episode 210 of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew and I am pleased to say that SP is here again this week. Please call me SP. I didn't even move my lips. That was all Steven's ventriloquism. <laughs> I don't want your hand anywhere near my backside. Okay. <laughs> I made it through Black Friday. I made it through Cyber Monday. There were some purchases made that I wish I didn't have to make, but there were some purchases that I made that were just all good. And unfortunately, none of them were directly podcast related. But maybe we'll talk about that in our gear episodes later on this year. What we're going to start out this show, though, with is a how I could have saved my podcast story. Now, this is a section of the show that we either have a how I save my podcast story in which either Stephen or I or one of our listeners sends one in. We talk about what you did or we did to save our podcast. Or I go out into the Internet and find a how I could have seen my podcast story. And I was kind of scratching my head this week. We might have not had the segment, but then I went over to my pal Reddit and I went into the podcast Reddit with an S podcast Reddit subreddit. And I saw a story that said, once if Luminary fails, what will happen to all the content? So I'm like, that is going to be our what I how I could have saved my podcast story <laughs> this week. That was posted by the new guy, 729, just about a day ago as we're recording this on December 4th, 2019. And you heard the title. This is the short post. Quote, just curious if anyone has lines on how Luminary is doing and what do you think will happen to all those episodes if it does fail? I would hope I would be able to listen to the episodes or heck, even pay for them through individually. A handful of shows I'd be interested in. So, unquote. So, Stephen, somebody is worried about being able to get the episodes that are on Luminary. There are some podcasts that are exclusively distributing their content on Luminary. And, you know, one of the shows that I've heard is the guys we've effed, you know, the two ladies that do that show. Mm -hmm. And I knew a lot of people listened to that, so they went over there. But they did a 300th episode, and they released it to all of 
their feeds, not just their luminary feeds. And I, I got the feeling that they were like, hey, come on, guys, come on, listen to us over on Luminary. We're over here on Luminary. Listen to us. And the Luminary CEO was ousted recently for a new one. So Luminary is not doing too great. I don't think they're in any danger of closing down like tomorrow, but they could shut down. And if they shut down and there are very popular podcasts that have only distributed their content through there, what do you do as a listener? What do you do? So I'm going to say that you should think a little bit about how other mediums have handled things like this and rights and things like that. And let's just hope that the people who created the shows have good lawyers and the legal agreements, which you can guarantee were signed before becoming exclusive on Luminary, do favor the creation company, the production company, whoever owns that podcast rights, so that if all of a sudden Luminary chooses not to distribu distribute them anymore, they opt back and then they can go elsewhere. Because if you look at TV, there have been many television shows which have hopped from network to network because the network has dropped that. And so the production company then gets the rights back or whatever was in the agreement. And then they go and they pitch it to another network and that network picks that up. So I think that if we're thinking about this from a reason perspective, the odds are that those rights are probably in there. Unless, of course, it's Luminary Productions. That's the one that actually was producing the show and full production rights went to Luminary itself. I don't know. I don't have an exclusive show on there. I've never seen the contract that was signed, but I would like to think if it was a contracted company or a contracted podcast like what you just said, they retain those rights if Luminary went away and they could go elsewhere. But who knows? Time, time will tell. No, I, I don't want to say that. Right. So what I think you should do if you happen to be a producer of it, because we're talking to producers of podcasts here on Better Podcasting, hobby podcasters, probably not distributing their content solely on Luminary. But if you happen to be doing that somewhere with some content, the one thing that I would say, aside from the legal stuff, one thing that I would definitely do would be make sure that I actually had the episodes on my own computer, my own hard drives, my own backups, cloud backups, whatever, because there is a chance that if wherever you're distributing your content, if you're solely distributing the content there and they shut down their servers shut down then you no longer actually have access to those episodes so it doesn't matter who actually owns the episodes legally they're gone you might be able to get some from some listeners that have downloaded them but don't depend on that make sure you actually have your episodes and that's the how i could have said my podcast here if luminary shuts down i would want to have my own episodes so that i could continue to release them if I was legally able to. Well said. Have you ever had an experience like this or do you have any thoughts or you want to brainstorm and just throw out some fun theories about what would happen? Get in touch with us through any of the ways you can email us podcast at betterpodcasting.com if you'd like as well. In the past, we've talked about all sorts of ways that you can maximize the quality of your sound. We've talked about microphones. We've talked about how to use microphones. We've even talked about ways that you can clean up the signal for your recording. However, there's one thing that we're often asked about that we've never really covered specifically before in an episode, and that's soundproofing or sound treatment. 
Whether it's because you're looking to minimize that reverb, that echo in your room, or you want to kill that low-level rumble from your neighbor's lawnmower. By the way, we're recording this in December of 2019 just to prove that we do think of you, Southern Hemisphere. We don't forget about you. You may want to do some form of soundproofing or sound treatment to your room. The thing about either of these is though, like many other aspects of podcasting, there could be a variety of different levels of consideration when it comes to the soundproofing or the sound treatment. And as such, we thought that we would bunch these together into four main categories. Number one, no budget or low budget ideas, practical room changes, moderate sound treating investments, and fourth, extreme soundproofing ideas. Now, before we start and get into this, we do have a little bit of a disclaimer. As we go through this, we might use the term soundproofing and sound treatment interchangeably just because that's the general concept of today's episode. However, there is a difference between the two. Sound treatment is really anything that you do to help optimize those acoustics of your recording space. A lot of times that's for that reverb. Soundproofing, on the other hand, is really more advanced sound treatment where you're looking to remove outside noise. But when we get these questions, a lot of times they are interchangeably used with, by listeners. So as we go through, if we incorrectly use the term at that specific point, just know we know the difference. You can still send your hate mail to us because let's be honest, SP loves to sit down with me and say, Stephen, look at this hate mail we got because you screwed up. It's been known to happen before. Okay, so aside from the hate mail that we're about to get, let's start off by going into the no budget or low budget ideas. There are many things that you can do with little to no budget to help you work on your sound treatment. And the first thing we want to mention is a bit of a cheat. It's microphone position. We think that before you start investing in any other things, we're going to talk to you about looking to confirm your microphone position, and whether or not it's ideally being used. So the same microphone that you already have, just look into how it is being used. It's amazing what a few key things can do to help remove that unwanted sound. Now, we, of course, recommend using a microphone called a cardiodynamic microphone. In case you're not familiar with this term, we've talked about it before on Better Podcasting, but we'll go into it in short order right now. Essentially, the pickup on these microphones are right in front of the barrel. It's called a cardioid pattern, and it just projects out of the front of the microphone. Essentially, there is some level of noise rejection because of that pattern to the sides and the rear of the microphone. As well, a dynamic microphone is usually less sensitive on the diaphragm that picks up the sound in the microphone cap than a condenser microphone that's powered. For all intents and purposes, it's how it works, and it means it's less likely to pick up unwanted noise than a condenser. But we also recommend that you look at the placement of the microphone itself. Get as close to the microphone without popping and clipping the sound. Usually this is about a fist distance away or four to six inches. And the reason for this is that you can often in turn reduce the gain that you're using to drive that microphone meaning it will pick up less outside noises or has less of a chance to pick up those noises that are coming in from afar. However, 
That's not the only microphone position change that we think you can do to help remove unwanted sounds. You should also consider what exactly is happening in the pickup area of the microphone. Do you have a door behind you that bleeds a lot of noise? How about a big empty wall behind you or in front of you where your sound is just bouncing off of and reverberating off of even a ceiling? Recording with that door open behind the microphone can actually help reject some of that noise because it's not bouncing back to the microphone. Another low budget or no budget consideration that you should have is to analyze some of the unwanted noise and where it's coming from and seeing if there are any easy solves. Some examples of this include using a soft coaster underneath your mug to help reduce water or cup noises. Using a soft click mouse or a keyboard or a touchpad can help. Moving your computer tower under your desk rather than on top of your desk. And a techie note, there are some dust considerations for this, but Stephen and I have run into this. So you really want to clean it regularly because that will make the heat more able to dissipate and less able to build up and then possibly ruin some of your components. So make sure you clean it regularly, maybe once a quarter or something like that. Or you can put a towel or blanket around the bottom gap of your door. Think of it in terms of this. If you have seen in the Northern Hemisphere where they get a lot of snow and ice and frost, a lot of people actually have those little bumpers that they put on the bottom of their door to prevent that draft from coming up and the frost from building up. You can use that same door bumper for noise dissipation and to lessen the shockwave of the door as other people are moving around the house. So those are easy, quick solves that you can try to eliminate some of that unwanted noise in your recording. Well, since you're talking about the room now, let's move on to our next category, which is probably my favorite of the categories. And it's all about practical room changes. And this is my favorite because you and I have both done this to our rooms in various ways. And I know we've had conversations and it's a really fun thing to think about. And this is because not all podcasting spaces are created equal. And there are some practical changes that you can make to your room without breaking the bank, hopefully, in order to help with that sound treatment. Unlike our last category, these may cost you a little bit of money. So let's move down our list for this category. Like literally, let's move down our list as we look down. Look at your floor. Do you have hard floors in your room? This can cause a lot of reverb. Obviously, you could take it extreme and convert that over to carpet, but you probably don't need to do that if you're looking to treat your room in some regard. Simply adding a small carpet in a big open space can really help reduce the noise. There's a video that was published earlier this year that you can find out at geeks.link slash echo demo. We didn't make the video. It does a really good job of demonstrating how just a few different levels of carpet make a difference with that room reverb. You might want to check that out because you might just need to buy a little area rug to put down. Look for the biggest void that you have in your room and start there but it really goes beyond your floor. How about your windows? Especially if you're looking to reduce the outside noises, you should look there. What do you have there? If you've got a fairly thin curtain, maybe it's time for you to consider refreshing them. Have they, have they got a little bit stale? Is it time to just clam up your studio a little bit more? Maybe you dig into that home budget and as you're replacing those, you go with something a little bit thicker. This is going to not only help cut back some reverb, but it might also to a degree help reduce some of that outside noise, especially if you got that lawnmower neighbor 
everything helps. And if you are recording with them open, maybe it's time to get a little bit dark in your studio and close them as you record, because if they're open, they're not doing much. Sure, they are helping reduce echo a little bit, but they're probably better if you do close them. Every little bit makes a difference. And of course, as you look around your room, you might have an opportunity with your walls, but we're going to place that on hold until we get to the next category. But how about the arrangement in your room? Now, when you look at how you're currently recording, is there any way that you can rearrange the room to better help reduce sound and break up that echo? Instead of facing a direction towards a big empty wall or a corner, which is going to reflect that sound right back to you, how about rearranging things to talk into those curtains that you hung up or something else to break up the sound? And is there something else you can do to make it less of a void? For example, I have a lot of bookshelves behind me. They have books in them. It acts as a natural baffle. First of all, the sound gets trapped behind the books and it just gets absorbed by the pages. And second of all, it's got all sorts of refracting edges because the books aren't even and it goes everywhere. You can also record in your closet. We'll get there later. And you can use a video backdrop curtain. That's something that Stephen hasn't mentioned already that I have right behind me. I guarantee you that this thing, this backdrop curtain that I have behind me does help to reduce reverb in my room. If you happen to have a door rattle there, which I actually do right next to me here, there are things that you can do. You can try weather stripping to be a dampener. We talked about that bumper on the bottom of the door. You can try that as well. And if worse comes to worse, you happen to be recording in a hotel room, or maybe there's absolutely nothing else you can do in your room, try that pillow sound booth for it. Just make a little pillow for it around your microphone and speak into it. And that will be a natural sound booth. It'll be cheap. It'll be available to you. I'm assuming that you have some pillows around your house. Yes, you can use those pillows as a little sound booth and it works great. The only problem is you have to set it up every time. And it's not really conducive to video podcasting either, but it is a solution if you're just doing an audio podcast. And by previous polling, we know that most of the people listening to the show are audio only. I'll give a little example on how room arrangement can really make a difference. The room I record in now, we used to have a guest bed in here. We don't anymore because let's be honest, nobody wants guests staying over. Yeah, I said it. Uh, but we got rid of the guest bed and I noticed the difference with how much reverb was in the room when I got rid of it. And the other thing that's worth considering with that as well, when there is some level of bleed that comes in, you know, that's going to also pick up to empty spaces and whatnot. And sometimes it amplifies it. And I noticed that when my kids were being loud, I noticed that it seemed like it was a lot more, a lot louder than it was when the bed was in there. The bed was kind of in a position that it kind of killed that when the bleed did come in through the door. So just rearranging things can really make a difference. And also, uh, I want to just highlight that point that SP made about the doors. It is very, very annoying when somebody throws open that outside door elsewhere in your house in the middle of summer, and then all of your doors shake. And so just keep that in mind, depending on where you're at, depending on if there are other people in the house, just little things like that, like SP said, softening that, that jiggle, that rattle of that door, it can make a difference. So just think about all of those little nuances and what you can do to help reduce them. But let's move on to some moderate soundproofing ideas. 
These are some that are really going to help outfit your room for soundproofing and sound treating in general. And let's begin with the most obvious one, the one I alluded to earlier, the sound treatment baffle slash foam. That's a foam that you find a sort of egg crate -y. You can get this through a variety of places. But when you do choose this, we recommend not going with the super thin stuff. When you look it up, you'll always find there's a certain depth. A lot of the reviews on the really thin stuff is not favorable. Try to go with something that's a little bit thicker if you're going to do that. But if you're going to do this, you might immediately go, okay, so my wall is 10 feet long. It's seven feet high. Let me do a calculation so that I can cover my entire wall. Well, that's not always the case because if you just strategically place some of that sound foam around your room, again, the big voids, you can really help kill some of that echo. Now, on the flip side, if you are looking to reduce the outside noises, maybe, yes, you do want to cover more of a space to help truly soundproof your room. But if you're looking just to treat it, you might find just in some strategic places, it will work. There's a mirror technique that SP likes to cite whenever we get an email about this. So I'll turn it over to you to explain the mirror technique, SP. It's pretty easy. All you do is you put a mirror in front of you as you're talking and anything that is flat in front of you, if you have a monitor in front of you or wall in front of you, that sounds going to bounce off of you and it's going to hit wherever you can see that there's a mirror. And if you want to strategically place sound dampening or acoustical foam, dense acu acoustical foam, by the way, the light stuff is not going to help you as much as the dense stuff, then anywhere you can see it directly with the mirror is pretty much where you want to put that. But another alternative is to invest in some sound blankets or moving blankets. And the older style moving blankets or the professional style moving blankets are probably going to be better than like the newer, thinner stuff that you can get from U-Haul these days. But in either case, place those in strategic areas, just like you would the sound treatment. And if you're looking to kill outside sound, Try placing these over areas where the sound is leaking in. For example, hanging it over your door, windows, or uh, air vent. Those are the areas where you'd want to actually try to reduce the sound. Also, if you happen to be, we haven't discussed this, but if you happen to be podcasting in an unimproved room, you might want to try some simple wall insulation. Not anything big, but like R19 wall insulation, that should help mitigate that sound as well. Uh, I haven't used moving blankets yet, maybe next year, but I did actually end up taking some sort of, they're a little bit thicker, they're sort of suede felty sort of curtains, and I just ended up using some adhesive, you know, removable adhesive clips above my door because I have a door in here and I have kids. If you've ever watched the live show, you've probably occasionally heard them and I've had to re-record things. Well, when I hung these over my curtains, it's amazing the amount of difference that it made with helping reject some of that outside noise. And that's not even a thicker moving blanket. The goal is eventually to do something a little bit better there, but it did make a really big difference for me. And when you're thinking of doors and windows and things like this, when you are looking to soundproof your room, these are some of the biggest troubles that you'll have. Now, Obviously, if you're in a room that doesn't have outside walls, the odds are that those walls are empty. So those could also be a problem. But 
If you're fortunate enough to be recording in a room that does have outside walls, you probably have insulation in there. So those are inherently soundproof to a degree because there's insulation in there. Now, yes, you can get stuff through. There's all other things. But in general, they're not going to be your big focus point for rejecting noise. If you are looking to reject that, look at the big open caverns, the windows, the doors, and think about those door jams and the spaces. And as SP mentioned earlier, the weather stripping, there are actually sound uh, foam kits that you can get for round doors and things like that. And so while we're talking about this higher tier, you might want to seek some of those out. And we'll get to another consideration in our next category to do with the door. But you could also look to work to make your recording space a little bit more soundproof by creating a specific thing that you're talking into. So maybe you build a big wall of sound foam or a big moving curtain, something in front of your mic and then behind you so that you're essentially in that blanket idea that SP was mentioning earlier. So instead of focusing on the entire room, if you're willing to be a little bit more inconvenient when you are recording, just build this all around you so that you're kind of in a bubble. I know one thing that some cheaper sound studios do to try to mitigate some of that noise proliferation is they will go to a used office furniture place and they will actually look into buying cubicles and setting those cubicles around just normal cubicles, not sound acoustic treated cubicles, just normal cu cubicles. And that does seem to help break up some of that sound, especially if you're recording it in like a garage or a big open area that can add in effects from the room itself that you might not want in a audio podcast. But let's step away from that now and let's go into the extreme measures. This will be our last category. And we're talking about full on soundproofing, no sound treatment. I mean, it's made up of sound treatment, but we're talking about making that room so nobody can hear Steven scream. Let's continue with the whole acoustical foam idea to begin with. If you want to go extreme, you could cover entire walls and ceilings with it while also using sound blankets to include light fixtures, block off center air ducts, central air ducts, and generally make the room as uncomfortable and as much of a fire trap as possible. And that's actually a consideration with soundproofing. So you have to make sure that you're not making a fire trap, but let's go ahead and scale it back slightly and go to a different level of extreme blankets. Yes, you could podcast every week underneath a blanket on top of a bed and help you give yourself a lot of soundproofing. We're going to call this extreme. Why? Because it's inconvenient, potentially very, very hot and uncomfortable. And overall, you're going to be in a dark place and you're going to be crouched over and it's just not going to be really effective long term. A lot of people do it. I'm not going to knock anybody that does it, because if that's all you got, say you're a college student and then dorms, this is probably going to be your best recording studio that you can get. And it's extreme, but it does work. So let's go where we're slightly less inconvenient, but something that we'd still call extreme you could set up a shop every week in your closet. I said we'd get to it before we're here now. Stephen, what are you talking about when you're talking about recording in a closet? If you're fortunate enough to have a walk-in closet, walk in there. Like pause, pause right now, walk in and take a look around. The odds are now that you've returned, you've noticed there's a lot of clothes in there. 
If there's not, well, then maybe you don't need a walk-in closet. But let's say that it is full of all these different clothes. It is a great thing to help reduce outside sound because all of those rows and rows of Stargate Pioneer shirts, I know you have tons of them, they all help reduce sound, especially if it's a walk-in closet where you have uh, clothes all on both sides of you. So you could go in there and it's sort of a natural soundproofed little studio there as long as you have lots of clothes around. But again, it's a little bit inconvenient because you have to set up there every single week. But you could very well do it. And the last extreme thing that we want to mention, this is one that if you really just want to lock it on down, is you could build yourself an entire soundproof studio recording room. You probably want to build a little bit smaller sized area in the middle of a room away from all of those windows and those doors and all those things, but an isolated chamber with all of that acoustic foam, that good acoustic foam everywhere. You're going to have proper sound glass or a proper door if you are going to have a window in there. This is probably your best bet if you are wanting to do that true soundproof space. And it's going to cost you a pretty penny to do this. Heck, that door I just mentioned is going to be fairly expensive itself. Go to Home Depot, walk up to some doors, stand on the other side and have your partner or your spouse or your friend yell through it. You're going to hear it. You probably get escorted from Home Depot, but you'll hear through there unless it's a really high quality door. So it's going to cost you a lot of money. In fact, previously, we actually had a guest on the show that has a professional sound booth. Who was this, SP? It was somebody that I much preferred to podcast with that week than you, and that was Jen Rhodes from the Anomaly podcast. She has an actual sound booth, a professional sound booth that's set up in her recording office that she has. Now, a couple of things about this. First of all, it's very expensive. Second of all, usually most podcasters don't go to that extreme. She has one because she's also a voiceover talent, so she uses that sound booth to record stuff for voiceovers. And that is when you need really clean sound. And I really would recommend getting a sound booth if you're doing that sort of thing, especially if you're living with a whole young family that's making noise and you still have to get work done. Sound booth is where it's going to be at. It's going to be expensive, but it does help with routine noise. One thing that I've noticed with people with sound booths that they don't want to do, they don't want to screen in front of them. Why? Because what I said before, that sound just bounces off of that monitor, whether it's a laptop or a computer screen, and it comes back. So they don't like actually having that monitor in front of them or any flat surface in front of them. So if you're podcasting with somebody else, it's probably not a great idea to do. Also, they don't like having a laptop with a fan in there for the same reasons. Anything that has a fan in there, they don't want the fan noise. You're in a really quiet environment. Think of those hearing tests that you take from time to time. If you've never actually been in a sound booth to record and you go into an audio test, like you're having your ears checked out or whatever, it's kind of eerie. I've done it a lot because of my ear problems. It's kind of eerie. You start hearing noises and tones that you have no idea where they're coming from. And it's usually that's your natural sound in your ear and you might get a little bugged out about it. So just keep all that in mind when you're talking about a sound booth expensive. You have to actually have to do other things to it. 
And you might actually get uncomfortable in there too, because if you do close it, there's not going to be any ventilation in there. So it's either going to be cold in the winter or hot in the summer or both. It could be hot in the winter too, depending on how much equipment you got stacked in there. But the upside to having that is like SP, he built one of these. He has a space where he can lock me up when he wants me to take a week off of better podcasting and nobody hears my screams. So if you have tried to soundproof your studio, let us know what have you done? What worked? What failed? What was something that was a, a complete success? And what was something that you wish you hadn't done? Please email us podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Tweet us at betterpod or come over to our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. This is the Better Podcasting Download. There was an article that was posted recently by Reuters, which pointed to a full-blown study. And the title of the article that was posted was News Podcasts and the Opportunities for Publishers. And I took a look at this. We're not a news podcast. I don't do a news podcast. I do listen to several news podcasts that run daily or every hour, like the NPR news podcast or the Alexa news thing, you can actually hear the NPR news podcast and it's rotated every hour. It's updated every hour. But anyway, this was a full-blown study by Reuters looking into it. And I thought it was very interesting. Some of the key takeaways, this is, if you haven't read this yet, we'll post a link in the show notes. You really should, if you're interested in learning more about the podcast space, because this is a pretty cool comprehensive study. They did have some key takeaways. So we're going to talk about some of the key takeaways here. First of all, the key finding that we're going to talk about first is news podcasts can make up a small portion, about 6% of the 770,000 existing podcasts as categorized by Apple. But the general appeal and stickiness of news content means that the category punches well above its weight in terms of consumption. I kind of like that little saying there, punches well above its weight. So a 6% of the 770,000 existing podcasts are categories as news. Now, news does make up about a fifth of the most popular episodes in the United States on the Apple chart. So 21% here listed in the Reuters study. And the category itself is also growing rapidly. The number of new news podcasts globally rose by about 12,000 between January and October 2019, an increase of around a third or 32% according to data provided by Chartable. I would think that some of this is attributable to the current political environment in the United States itself, but I won't rule out the fact that just podcasting is more mainstream and it's growing and it's monetizable too. So it can't all be deemed towards the political aspect of things, in my opinion. Another key finding was talk and interview shows are the most popular subgenre within the news category, along with one-off narrative series, but daily news has become an increasingly important focus. Okay, so let's talk about the daily aspect for a second. If you're doing this as a hobby, a daily podcast is going to be extremely difficult to do. We covered this a couple of weeks ago with the nad pod pomo and the fact that a lot of people just do that for a month and it is aggravating for 30 days just imagine doing that five days a week we'll call it five days a week five days a week 
for 52 weeks out of the year. That was drive you nuts as a hobbyist. You'd actually have to put three to four hours a day into it. And that really should be a job, in my opinion, rather than a hobby at that point. So I don't advocate any hobbyist trying a daily podcast unless you know exactly what you're getting into. Maybe you're retired. Maybe this is the job that you want to make it into. I get all that. But for your average hobbyist that's just starting out that has a full-time job, I do not advocate a daily news podcast. Okay, moving on to a different key finding. The Reuters report has identified three subcategories of daily news podcasts. You have the micro bulletins that have a length of between one and five minutes. You have news roundups with a length of between six and 15 minutes. And then you have deep dives with a length of 20 minutes or more. That's no different from what we would consider a normal hobby podcast. They're just giving a tutorial to people that might not know what podcasts are or what you can do with them. And the final is that most publishers and experts feel there is still significant room for growth with new voice-driven interfaces making it easier to access on-demand audio in the home and on the move. But the scale of the opportunity remains unclear with revenue still relatively modest and increasing competition. Let me say that again, increasing competition from platforms and independent producers. So a lot of great takeaways from this, Stephen. The actual report is 48 pages. Like I said, I'd advocate going and finding this and actually reading it. If you're interested in the pod space, there's a lot of golden nuggets included in here. Yeah, this is really cool to see. And I suspect that there's a couple of different reasons. Number one is people's uh, listening habits and the way that they're willing to consume different type of content that's news related than they used to, as well as the fact that the standard for what counts as news and classifies as news has just evolved in general. I'm being diplomatic here. Uh, It has evolved in general over the last like 10 to 20 years. And you you can look at a, a thousand different debates on that subject. But the bottom line is that it has evolved from what it used to be. And so I think that has opened up the space of what is news. And so that means you have more outlets, not just within podcasting and more things that are news. And of course, that's going to translate to podcasting. If you look at television, look how different the news landscape is now than it used to be 20 years ago. There are so many dedicated channels of a variety of different tones to them. And so, of course, that's going to translate to podcasting and podcasting will probably continue to expand with things like this. So it's really cool. And also, I really like the fact that people are willing to listen to daily news podcasts. I just love that concept of people choosing a podcast to listen to every single day. Of course, my favorite podcast that is daily is not a news podcast, but it is the Curiosity Daily podcast. But uh, I I just like the concept that people are willing or more people are willing to listen to podcasts every day. I listen to several daily news podcasts, either on my news flash briefing on my A device or as I'm driving to work. I at least listen to three of them as I'm driving to work. And then there's a longer daily podcast that I listen to as I'm driving home. So I listen to four at least every day as I'm going back and forth to work. And on those days that I don't work like this past weekend and they still publish episodes, when I get in the car on Monday, they have stacked up. So I have to choose, do I go back and listen to them or do I just scrap those episodes and just start with today's? It's a problem because I only have so much time to listen to these shows. 
And that's the problem you're going to have with listeners if you choose to do a daily podcast because they can get behind and they're just going to choose and say, nah, I'm just not going to listen to those episodes. So I get it. I, I do. I get it. But it is just something that you're going to have to realize that not everybody's going to listen, even if they're subscribed to every single episode that you put out. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. Stargate Pioneer, I have to admit, I, I am very bad about eating breakfast. It's something that I personally don't regularly eat breakfast. But when I do eat breakfast, one of my favorite things to eat is waffles. And our first post that we're going to talk about today is... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you have on your waffles? Do you have like jam or jelly? Do you have the whipped cream? Do you have syrup? I'm assuming syrup since you're Canadian, but I don't know. Of course it's syrup. However, if I'm going to buffet, it's always strawberries and whipped cream. Always okay. strawberries and whipped cream, which, by the way, I have lots of strawberries whip and whipped cream for you when you come to visit me. But oh, moving yeah. on to these posts here, uh, our first uh, post in our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord does come from Waffles. That's right. We have a listener over there named Waffles. And Waffles said the following. So over the weekend, I was thinking about what I do for December and the holiday season. Last year, I had a special panel discussion episode and one where I pretty much just told people, thanks for being great. But I realized that I should have three episodes recorded by Sunday to cover four of the five remaining weeks. And since I have nights where the wife isn't home, I can edit them. Plus, I wake up well before her on the weekend. I was well prepared to just do a couple solo type episodes if I felt like I had to get something out or even take some weeks off. But if I can get the content put out, I don't see a reason not to put it out. That being said, if something comes up in the craziness of the holiday season, it's the perfect excuse to just not put an episode out and have things saved for January. And that's in response for last week's episode when we were talking about possibly taking a couple of weeks off for the holidays, which we both advocate. Well, this was a fun discussion that was in our Discord server because we had A.L. Moral say the following. Sounds like a good... Oh, should I say it like Amanda? I mean, I don't know if my range goes that high. Okay, let me try it. I wouldn't because you're just going to offend somebody. Okay. I, you're not even going to let me try it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, Amanda says, quote, Sounds like a good course of action, Waffles. Since my show only puts out two episodes per month anyway, I'm planning to continue with our regular release schedule through the holiday season. That being said, I also have a really long winter break. I teach at a university, and that definitely helps. Most of the shows I listen to are planning on taking breaks, and I don't mind that one bit, unquote. Well, looks like we're getting outnumbered here, SP, with the people continuing. But we also had Mark D say, Waffles, do a flashback episode. To which Waffles responded, honestly, I'm thinking that or an awards type show or something. It's not like you can't do a, an awards show. I mean, after iHeartRadio did the first ever broadcast live awards show, anybody can do one now. I was making up fake awards show long before iHeartRadio. So let's just get that mark in there right now. I was first. 
you're you're gonna go ahead and do the I was first thing I will, with yeah. your word, Shuro? Okay. Uh, whatever. <laughs> if you have another way that you're handling your December holidays, get in touch with us because we're happy to continue sprinkling these through our episodes as people are locking down what they're going to do for the holidays. Bottom line, SP and I, big advocates of taking a break if you feel you have to take a break. But if you have other ways that you think you can go ahead and stack episodes, go ahead. Me personally, I'm looking at the mess that is my studio right now thinking, that is going to be a much needed time to clean that up, get some things to recycle, mostly nine volt batteries. The video viewer will get that and also just get things nice and fresh for January. Plus, I also like to come into my studio and open up every single window with pictures of Stargate Pioneer and just stare. That's the other way I like to spend my holidays. Dude, some of our listeners are starting to talk. This is getting a little creepy. I think you need to lay off of it for a little bit. <laughs> I want to thank all of our listeners. I want to thank our listeners that listen to the show. I want to thank our listeners that respond in Discord. I want to thank our listeners that respond to us on Twitter. I can't thank our listeners that respond to us on Facebook because I don't see that over there. But I will thank our listeners that get to us on email. You guys are great. Thank you very much. And I love these conversations, especially on Discord, because you guys are there because you love podcasting. You want to talk to each other about what you're going through. And you want to talk about the content of the episodes and that acts as a guide for the discussion. I love it. You guys are the best and we do the show for you. So I hope you're getting out of it more than we get out of it because we're doing the show for you. On that note, for episode 210 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying I have my sound blanket, which comes with the added benefit that the video viewer can't see me. And I'm SP, and I can't wait to put Stephen in his room that nobody can hear him scream. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.